Hi everyone and welcome back to the Making Milestones podcast. This is my first podcast of 2023, I think, so long time, no podcast. Sorry about the delay. Um, I've just been busy, things have been hectic, so I'm happy to be back and today's episode is going to be a bit of a doozy because we're going to be discussing punishment culture in and out of the horse world and I think I've done similar podcasts to this in the past, but I just have a lot of thoughts on it, so why not do another one, am I right? Uh, Before we get into that, I just wanted to plug my other revenue streams because this podcast typically does not have ads and therefore I do not make anything off of it. Um, So if anyone is interested in supporting my brand or checking out some of my other products, I have multiple different websites and areas you can go to do that. I have an equestrian apparel brand called Milestone Equestrian. And we're having a big sale for like March Madness and just kind of selling a bunch of the fall winter gear at heavily reduced costs up to 80% off. So if you're interested in checking out that sale and checking out the apparel, as well as the bridles that we've released, you can find them at shopmilestoneeq.com. Shopmilestoneeq, as in ek, dot com. And you can head there to shop the sale and while supplies last because they should be selling out quickly um and then i also have a patreon channel for anyone who's looking for more help and like getting behind the scenes stuff getting access to all sorts of different tutorials you can join for as little as a dollar a month but the tier is five dollars a month and above will have access to the full range of tutorials if that interests you you can check that out at patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash s-d-e-q-u-u-s-s-t-s-d-equus it's the instagram name um and my TikTok name, so you can find that there. It'll also be linked in the description of this very podcast. So yeah, you can check out those and I much appreciate it and really value your support. I have a lot of exciting things in the works that I cannot wait to share with you, Uh, but yeah, it's just been busy. So a lot of stuff has been getting sidelined. So let's get into it then, shall we? Um, Punishment. So we all know my views on like the punishment culture in the horse world and how I think we often harshly punish horses for behaving like horses uh, and expect far too much of them. And that punishment is used as a means of fixing a lot of issues in horses that arise due to other things because all punishment does is suppress the behavior from happening. For ease of remembering, I'm going to mostly be talking about positive punishment here, which is the addition of a stimulus to make a behavior less likely to reoccur. So whatever you're adding for the stimulus, it has to be something that the animal does not like at all, otherwise it would not be punishing. So generally speaking for horses, the punishment that we would add would be like hitting them, but it can also be yelling at them, running them backwards, chasing them around the round pen, or any number of things that the horse may find unpleasant. So punishment only suppresses the unwanted behavior. It doesn't actually deal with the underlying cause of it. And as we've discussed in other podcasts, all behavior has an underlying motivation. So if we just seek to suppress a behavior without addressing that underlying motivation, the animal is highly, highly likely to just adopt a new behavior to replace the old one or just stop doing the old behavior temporarily and then it'll reoccur eventually. So punishment as a means of fixing problems for like lasting results really is not the miracle cure that a lot of people try to make it out to be. 
And a lot of the trainers I find, or this is my perspective on it, who have highly punishing methods such as Clinton Anderson, and they're marketing this method and selling it to people as like a foolproof plan to fix problem horses, they're not being fully honest with like the degree of reoccurrence and unwanted behaviors that is seen in those horses while they're being punished and the fact that the punishment doesn't completely resolve the behaviors that easily. Or if it does, there's dishonesty surrounding the fact that it often results in welfare deficit or learned helplessness where the animal learns to stop reacting to their environment in the same way because they have no control over it and have been so suppressed behaviorally that they've just decided to tune out from the environment because it's too high stress and they can't really make changes to what's going on and what's happening to them anyways, which is a very, very sad state of being and not something that we should make a goal in our partnership with horses. So punishment has no shortage of problems and I think its prevalence in the horse world has to do with how we've traditionally trained horses to be working animals that serve a purpose and how oftentimes in the past when we're using them as working animals they need to do their jobs regardless of what the other outside occurrences are and people didn't necessarily have the luxury of just using them as pleasure animals or pets so they had to be made to do things and we went about handling them in pretty forceful ways because of that so I do think that that plays a role in how we've structured horsemanship and why there is so much normalization of really high pressure training or very punishing training. But more so than that, I think that a lot of people underestimate how much punishment is normalized in our day-to-day -day lives as humans. Like the fact that there's still debate surrounding whether or not it's ethical to spank children serves as a very good example of that because that's not something that should be up for debate. There's so much literature out there showing how damaging and detrimental spanking children as a means of addressing bad behavior can be. And there's been like decades long studies that have tracked the same people throughout childhood and adulthood and have found that it results in increased reactivity and tends to cause them to suppress behaviors and then have outbursts. So we know that it's not a super successful means of behavior modification. And we know that there's ethical problems with people but we also have found this in other animals as well. So punishment is something that has been pretty heavily studied across species, and we've studied its impact on people and the use of it on children, and there's valid reason to be highly critical of how often you use punishment or using it as a main mean of dealing with unwanted behaviors because of that ethical dilemma that is suppressing behaviors and not really teaching the learner how to resolve whatever the unwanted behavior seeks to fulfill and also like self-regulate and know what the correct answer is because punishment only zeroes in on the incorrect answer it does not tell the learner what the correct answer is so not only can it be scary and alarming for them it can also be highly frustrating because it doesn't provide them with clarity in training so with the entire like spanking children debate I very firmly stand on the side of like with kids you can reason with them far more than you even can with animals and if you don't want your kid to grow up thinking that it is okay for other people to hit them when they've done something wrong or for people that love and care for them to treat them that way then you should not do it to them 
because it's setting them up for failure because you're teaching them that out of love their parents will punish and hit them for things that they don't want to see instead of teaching them what they could do instead or teaching them why they shouldn't engage in that behavior or otherwise just being more involved in helping them through whatever they're struggling with rather than viewing it as this intentional thing that a child is doing to fault their parents or be malicious or just do wrong by their parents. And that's the biggest problem with punishment is that oftentimes the people using it get this mindset where they think that because a person or an animal is engaging in an unwanted behavior that they're doing so maliciously and with the intent of pissing off whoever the teacher is in this circumstance when really behavior oftentimes is not that personal at all humans react with whatever behaviors feel most comfortable to them and same with horses and other animals so taking that behavior personally is mistake number one because it sets you up to label it as an attack on yourself when oftentimes their behavior has absolutely nothing to do with you. So what I wanted to get into talking about is people's belief that punishment is a very effective way of resolving unwanted behavior because in the horse world we hear this a lot. We hear that horses need to have like the shit knocked out of them and that they need to be shown who's boss and that we need to get after them and correct behaviors. Uh, correction is just a kinder way of saying punishment, like a correction for an unwanted behavior. In order to correct the behavior in terms of making it less likely to reoccur, you are using punishment. Correction is just another term for that, so it's the same thing. So there's this belief that we need to do that or horses will become dangerous. And it's been really, really drilled into people's head not to let horses get away with certain behaviors because they have the potential to be dangerous. And we justify the punishment being like, these are really huge animals. And if you let them get away with this, they can hurt people. And since they're big animals, there's also this mindset that what we do to punish them must hurt them less because they're big animals. Despite the fact that there's not much in the way of evidence showing that horses feel differently about like physical punishment or punishment that scares them than people would in that same circumstance that the correlation in studies is very similar in terms of how punishment causes them to react and how consistent punishment and training changes their way of thinking so the other problem with punishment is that if you're punishing wrong behaviors it makes it less safe for the learner to trial new behaviors so because of the risk of being wrong they'll stop trialing as many new behaviors and trying to find the right answer because trying to seek out and offer the right answer runs the risk of offering the wrong answer and an example that i can provide from myself is in my childhood i had a really traumatic experience with a teacher in grade one and the teacher is really mean to me and would humiliate me in front of the class and do stuff like that and you can read more about that in my new book the other side of horsemanship where i go into deal detail on that you can find that on amazon or most major book retailers if you're interested in reading that but basically what she effectively taught me was to stop putting my hand up in class and stop offering my opinion and stop talking as much because I was so terrified of being humiliated in front of the class if I did have the wrong answer that I just stopped offering new behaviors. So it impacted my learning because I didn't practice my public speaking as much as I could have at that stage due to fear of offering the wrong answer. And that's something that followed me for years into my adulthood which is pretty alarming when you think about it because in grade one I think you're like six years old or something so for it to be something that carries over for that long it really shows how much punishment can impact people especially during like early childhood development so with horses when we're punishing horses who are like zero to three years old for example 
the amount of damage you can do in that early developmental stage where they're learning how to exist with the environment can be much more substantial than what it might do impact-wise with an older horse because they're in such a crucial learning and developmental period that they might take that trauma with them for a lot longer, which is why we want to set them up for success. So the amount of negative implications of punishment are the reason why I wouldn't discourage it as a regular training. I mean, the reasons why I would discourage it as a regular training practice because the amount of follow-up behavior and problems you can run into from its use far exceed any benefits. And this isn't to say that like in an emergency situation, if you're literally about to get run over by a horse and it's like elbow them in the shoulder or whatever, or get plowed over, obviously in that case, do what you can to be safe. But people also need to recognize the fact that that is not a learning situation. That's not a training situation. That's an emergency situation where you're doing what you can to immediately get out of it as safely as possible. It's not a training situation. And the dangers in punishment are like mostly related to its repeated use in training. So every now and then, if you find yourself in an emergency situation and you need to do something that you wouldn't normally condone in training, that should be viewed as separate from using it as a regular method of training because you're not gonna have the same damage of suppressing behaviors if you're using it only in emergencies. The other thing to consider too is that punishment is going to impact your relationship with whatever whoever you're using it on it's going to impact their trust and comfort in you and create and ruin any safety that you've built with them if you do it repeatedly because you're creating unsafe situations and this isn't to say that your horse is going to stop completely liking you if you ever use punishment but the more repeatedly you use it the more impact you can have on that relationship with your horse which is why we want to encourage different types of methods in horse training because everyone wants to have a good relationship with their horse. And a lot of people who get into using horse training methods are doing so because it's been sold to them as the solution for their horse's dangerous behavior, not because they're actually trying to harm their horse. So speaking of dangerous behavior, another thing to consider about punishment is the fact that statistically, the more stressed a horse is, the more likely they are to cause bodily harm to people. So limiting stress in training is of the utmost importance if you consider that. Limiting stress in training is a step to keep yourself safer as an equestrian because horses are already dangerous enough as it is. We don't need to do things that will knowingly escalate the risk of harm to ourselves. So stressed horses are more dangerous. Guess what increases baseline stress level? Punishment. Horses who are punished tend to have a higher level of blood cortisol than horses who don't have that routinely happen in training, meaning that they have a higher baseline level of chronic stress than a horse who hasn't been put in that situation. And on top of that, in the moment, it also increases their stress level because it makes them fearful. And a lot of horses' most dangerous responses that cause harm to people are fear responses. Even if it's aggression and the horse is like coming at a person, Aggression is usually a defensive behavior that stems from fear, and typically when horses get to the point of being aggressive, it's because they haven't been able to escape from certain settings in other situations, so they now feel like their only line of defense is to be the aggressor and attack. It's a very uncommon behavior for horses, and it's usually related to fear or pain and not having a lot of options, and it's their last resort. So... If stress makes horses more dangerous, then we should be really promoting the training methods that are the least likely to increase stress because that'll keep people safer 
um, as a default. Like there's still the risk of getting injured, of course, because horses can get stressed even when you set up the environment really, really well. But it decreases the risk ex exponentially because you're not using training methods that are likely to increase that level of stress. So there's a lot of reasons not to use punishment. But I think that the reason why people get so stuck on the need to use punishment is because of what we do in human society. Whether people realize it or not, human society is very punitive and we believe that punishment will fix unwanted behaviors in people. I don't know if there's any better example of why punishment does not work than the prison system. And I'm mostly talking about in North America because I know that there's some Scandinavian countries in Europe that have way different prison systems that they have set up as like rehabilitation centers and because of that their reoffense rate is way way lower um so i'll use that as a means of kind of talking about why punishment isn't effective because we should be seeking to rehabilitate in a sense so in canada and the u.s our prison system is very punishment based and even like down to like how they treat you in prison how they arrest you whatever all of it is very punishment based and about like taking away someone's dignity, their control of their life, and any and all autonomy. And when you do stuff like that where it's very punishing and it's to like teach them a lesson for their bad behavior, but you don't provide them with skills to help them make correct decisions or show them what the correct decisions are or work on the factors that led them to doing the wrong thing, then it's a never-ending cycle. And if you look up the reoffense rate in Canada and the U.S., it makes it pretty clear that punishment doesn't actually stop people from doing the wrong thing. If it did, the reoffense rate in the prison system wouldn't be as high as it is. It is exceptionally high. I'm pretty sure it's something in the 90 percentile. Like, it's very, very, very high. And we have to consider why we're continuing to run a system like that when the reoffense rate is so high and it comes down to the fact that prison is like a business it generates a lot of income and revenue and there's incentive to keep people in that setting because of that because the information that's out there shows us that it's not working even just the stats related to the reoffense rates show us that it's not working because if it was working to modify unwanted behaviors such as committing crimes the reoffense rate wouldn't be as high because people would not be reoffending because their behavior would be modified to lead them to make other decisions than committing crime. And of course, there's other factors as well because poverty is a huge reason behind crime. So people not being able to afford what they need to live can lead them to commit crimes and lead them down the wrong path because of the quality of life being impacted. So that's definitely a factor. But at the same time, if we set up prisons as a rehab facility to actually help people seek out the resources they need and provide them with what they need to excel to make better decisions, then when they come out, it would be setting them up for success where they might be able to find a job that can help them to take care of themselves in the way that they need to so that they wouldn't resort to crime or wouldn't develop maladaptive behaviors because of how they have been living. So... I like using the prison system as an example for this because it should be something that is discussed more and that's taught more and that we learn in school and it's simply not the case. We're very much taught to participate and believe in that system and believe that it's for our safety despite there being no evidence of that. Since the reoffense rate is so high, my other concern with that current system is the fact that if we're not helping people to heal in prison and they're not leaving prison as better people, consistently like I mean like the vast majority of them should be not just some of them 
then it's not really keeping anyone safer because they're coming out and they're reoffending. So it's not keeping people safer other than perhaps for the time that they're in those prisons. But with that said, the factors leading people to commit crime are not being addressed. So for every person that actually gets caught and goes to prison, there's probably lots engaging in the same or similar behaviors that have not been arrested yet that serve as a potential risk to society. And again, if we had rehabilitative and behavior modification ideas in mind when it's pertaining to crime and the prison system or crime prevention, then there would be means of addressing the factors that lead people to commit crimes. And we're putting all of this money into a punitive system that is not working when that money could be going into societal resources to help people not commit crime or that money could be going into creating a rehabilitative system that helps people to learn how to exist in society in a way that is healthier for them and those around them. But that's not what's happening. And I think there's a lot of motivation to convince people that punishment works and that this is what we need to do and that people need to pay for their wrongs and that we need to punish them because what they did was bad. And it creates a lot of anger and resentment in everyone, like not just the people in the prison system. And then it makes us treat people who are in prison like second-class citizens. And this is not me saying that like people who commit horrible, heinous crimes deserve your complete and utter compassion. It's just saying that, like, even if they do horrible things, the system itself is not really helping to prevent that from reoccurring. In fact, it's set up to kind of make it reoccur. So we kind of need to reframe our perspective because there's very little incentive to release people from a prison if they're going to leave it with more problems. Like, there, there's no logic in that. Like, we... There, the purpose of them going to prison is supposed to be stopping them from being a risk. And if they're not, if that's not happening, then the system isn't serving the purpose that it claims to. So I think that punishment has been normalized to us and that we're so comfortable using it because it's been a structure of our society and it's been a structure, a structure of upholding the capitalist agenda because it is just so profitable to keep people in prison and if you make everyone else who is not in prison okay with the idea of incarcerating people and mass incarceration and punishing people for these things, then they don't really have any incentive to fight back against that system and actually have enough awareness to go, hey, wait a second, this isn't working. And then those attitudes cross over into the horse world and cause us problems in animal training because we're using the perspective we've been taught from such a young age as a means of understanding what's going on in our animals training. And then when you find out that punishment isn't working how we've been taught that it does, it can be so shocking and jarring to people and upsetting that they refuse to acknowledge what's right in front of them and go into a state of cognitive dissonance. Because if you've been told something your whole life and you've held these beliefs for so long, hearing that it's not actually the case can be really difficult because it uproots the foundation of your life as you know it. If you've always thought that this was the way to do it and like if you grew up being punished by your parents, etc. It feels normal because so many other people do it and enable it. But that does not mean that it's normal or even if it is normal, it doesn't mean that it's ethical. It doesn't mean that it's serving us. And if we all started to kind of shift the mindset to be a more compassionate one and a more behavior modification and rehab based one and like rehabilitating people with problems instead of viewing it as completely their own fault and doing if they land themselves in bad situations, 
then I think we'd create a more compassionate society that would actually seek to address the root causes that lead people to be problems or lead people to commit crime. Because oftentimes you'll find that these people have had less access to things that they require to live a good, happy, and healthy life, and so have their family members. And it's this recurring trend of people who have been forgotten by society and left behind that then need to seek other avenues of trying to stay alive or trying to cope, and they develop behaviors that are problematic to others in society and dangerous to themselves or others. Um, but I wouldn't view it as too much different than the disordered behaviors we see in animals as a result of stress. Disordered behavior is disordered behavior, and if we don't view it as that, we view it as just the fault of the person engaging in it and something that they're in complete control of, it fails to acknowledge how the mind adapts to stress and trauma, and it's seeking to lay all of the blame on the individual, which I don't think is fair, because oftentimes we are the product of our environment. And yes, it's our responsibility, especially when we hit adulthood, to try to learn and do better and grow as human beings. But if you're not set in an environment where you can thrive, it's very, very hard to do that. And it requires a lot of self-discipline. And that's not reasonable for people in states of stress to be able to do. So we have to view these marginalized and damaged parts of society as people who need help and reassurance and assistance, not people who should be able to solve all their own problems, despite the fact that we've set up a world to kind of heavily reward some people, but then really, really deprive others of basic needs. And then we see the fallout of that. There's a lot of maladaptive behaviors and problem behaviors and means of coping that aren't healthy and can be harmful to others. But they're the result of the environment causing people to get sick rather than just a fault of the individual. Like, the aggressive horse that tries to bite you when you walk by its stall isn't like that just because it's a bad horse. It's probably because it's been in an environment that's highly frustrating and it's very, very stressed and it's lashing out at society. And I view a lot of the problem behaviors we see in humans to be that way. And I do wonder, even with, like, really severe, heinous crimes, if it's possible to stop that from happening by addressing the factors that may have led someone to becoming like that and doing earlier intervention with mental health care and psychological support, if that would actually help alter the end destination that those people head to. And maybe not all people would be salvageable and maybe we can't save them all, but I think a good portion of people would be reachable through behavior modification and doing it from a psychological approach. I don't know if anyone who listens to my podcast has ever looked at Gabor Matei's stuff. Um, he's a Canadian psychologist or psychiatrist. I can't remember if he's a psychologist or psychiatrist. I think he's a psychiatrist because I think he can prescribe drugs. Um, but he said a lot about big pharma and just the general structure of our society and how we create a lot of the problems that we see and how a lot of health issues, mental and physically, are the result of the environment rather than just unavoidable things. And he has said that he doesn't think that modern medicine is properly addressing these because we often seek to do what's profitable, like with the pharma pharmaceutical industry. So he has a lot of cool things to say. And as like a mental health professional, it's really interesting because he's discussed like stuff like addiction um, and other things like that. And the huge link between like trauma and general poor welfare and how it leads people to doing these things that otherwise they likely would not be led to do and that 
in order to heal those, it's less about getting the right prescription or even just going to therapy. It's about fixing the factors in the environment in our society that lead to people doing those things, which I find really interesting. So that's kind of my view on punishment and altering our frame of mind and how we handle things and really starting to reframe our thinking with what we think is acceptable and view certain unwanted behaviors as a result of the environment or other underlying motivations on the part of the animal doing them and then have a little bit more compassion instead of taking the behavior super personally just because it may impact us personally. Um, being made to be uncomfortable or in danger or upset or hurt or frustrated or injured by your horse's behavior or someone else's behavior doesn't necessarily mean on their part that they were engaging in it with the sole purpose of upsetting you. It can be a behavior that they've chosen as a means of providing an outlet for something that they're feeling. And oftentimes with animals, that's what it is because they can't communicate to us what their needs are. So sometimes their behavior will get loud and it can be dangerous and scary but it's them trying to communicate their level of discomfort with the situation, not trying to make our lives harder. They're having a hard time. They're not giving us a hard time, even if it feels that way. So this is going to be a shorter podcast because, like I said, very busy and I've had less motivation. But that's just some food for thought when you're thinking about punishment. And if you get in an argument with someone who's super pro-punishment, and it's like talking to a brick wall because some people really don't want to consider the factors that lead us to normalizing things that are so heavily criticized in scientific research when we look at it. Just remember that like some people cannot see that perspective because they've been so raised and pigeonholed into viewing life in a certain perspective. And odds are they grew up in a very punitive situation too. Even if it wasn't their parents, maybe at school or in sports or by their equestrian coaches or whatever. They have normalized punishment and are super comfortable with it because of what they've been taught and how they've grown up and interacted with the environment. It's become comfortable and it feels normal to do that. So then when you call to question the normalcy of that and tell them that it can be harmful, it feels like a personal attack to them. And some of those people are not reachable at that time. It might work in that, like, even if they respond angrily, hopefully it'll plant a seed in their head that'll germinate and then they'll end up having different thoughts. But ultimately, not all the people are going to be reachable as frustrating as it is. So try not to take it personally, especially if they end up latching on to you and personally attacking you and trying to make you feel bad because whatever you've said has made them feel threatened and made them feel bad. And then they lash out. And like I said, with a history of punishment, you're a lot more likely to get that reactivity and defensiveness. And it's something that once you start to do it, even once you know why you do it and why it's wrong, it's very hard to like unteach that response because you get so easily triggered and defensive when you've had a history of being punished for things or made to feel bad about things or having your behavior repressed in one way or another. Because um, that's been a struggle for me as well. Like I've had to unlearn a lot of coping techniques that I learned to cope with environments that were unfair to me. And at the time when I was in them, I didn't realize the unfairness. So when I was getting punished by whoever in the situation, I blamed myself. It didn't even cross my mind that they were the ones in the wrong and that their techniques of how they handled things or how they taught me things were the problem. Or that there is something that is wrong in our society and perpetuating a lot of these issues that didn't used to cross my mind and then all of my anger and upset and self-hatred would just be directed at myself uh so 
I think it's a little freeing to kind of look at it and go, yeah, we have a lot of problems in our society, but it's a result of the environment. It's not something that you can just look at yourself and go, this is completely my fault. I should be able to cope better with this because being able to cope well in a sick world isn't really a flex. Um, being able to cope with it better than others doesn't change the fact that it's still an environment that isn't contributing to growth and overall health. So if you struggle to exist in an environment that is inherently unjust and unfair, just know that you're responding to it normally. Like being not coping well in that environment is a normal response because the environment is not serving you. It'd be an abnormal response to just go, this is fine. This level of stress is great. I love this. So not coping well is a sign that you're recognizing that something is amiss in the general world. Um, and again, not reacting well to like punishment and being like humiliated or yelled at or hit is a normal response because it is not a very successful means of behavior modification. And for myself, when I've stopped using as much punishment and horse training, it's also stop, help, helped me stop being as punishing to myself, which has been really, really nice. So that's just some food for thought on punishment culture in and out of the horse world. And I hope that this little mini podcast was enjoyable for people. And thank you for listening. I'm going to try to do more frequent podcasts um, so that I can talk more and share my views and be more active because I know that this podcast is kind of random. It's hit or miss. It's when I feel the inspiration to do something that I'll just do a podcast. I don't have like any regular schedule. Um, I just kind of do whatever I feel like doing in the moment, which might be frustrating for people who want regular podcasts. So I'm going to try to do stuff more regularly come this year. And I'll also have a lot of cool stuff to update people on soon as I start filming with my own horses more and filming with the Mustangs more in addition to doing the other stuff that we have in the works. So thank you for listening. Don't forget to tune in on my other accounts so that you don't miss any exciting announcements. Um, we have the big sale going on on my shop page. Don't miss out on that on shopmilestoneeq.com, shopmilestonef.com. It'll be a lot of stuff on sale. You can get some good deals and help us clear out our winter and fall stock so that we can make way for the spring summer stuff. Um, you can also check out my Patreon if you're interested in training help and behind the scenes stuff, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash s-d-e-q-u-u-s. And I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Instagram and TikTok as S-D-E-Q-U-U-S and Facebook as Milestone Equestrian. And I do active postings on there, even if they're not podcasts. So check that out. And yeah, everyone have a great day and I hope you enjoyed this episode.